0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to Newsweek's Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. Confession. 14-year-old me would be freaking out at who I get to talk to today. You see... Ryan Philippi was a huge part of my childhood. Correction, my teen years. I don't want to age him or anything. If you're a millennial, then you know the impact of that one scene. You know that one scene from Cruel Intentions, which like, if you know, you know. And yes, 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 dear millennials, I did ask Ryan about that one scene. But it wasn't just Cruel Intentions. It was, I know what you did last summer, 54, White Squall, Gosford Park, the list goes on. He was, and continues to be, the moment. So yes, today I got the chance to confess the impact Ryan had on younger me to actually Ryan himself, which, well... I know you're probably jealous. That's okay. I would be too. Now, I didn't just talk with Ryan about his backside or his career back when he was much younger. No, I swear. He has other things going on that are very exciting. Because he has two great new films out. The first is American Murderer, based on the true story of Jason Derrick Brown, a con man who bankrolls his lifestyle through a series of scams that ultimately culminates in murder. It's it's a it's a wild film and I definitely suggest you watch it. Ryan plays special agent Lance Leasing. It's a role that Ryan Ryan's played a lot of cops in his career which surprised me because I never really even thought of him like that, but it turns out Ryan has a special relationship with law enforcement in his family. So it's it's a it was interesting conversation we had about that. His other film is Summit Fever. It's vastly different. It's about a group of mountain climbers dealing with a horrible nightmare of a climb. The stress in this film just reinforces why I don't do athletic things. I just don't, I don't leave my home. It was very stressful, but it was a great watch. So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back with my new best friend, Ryan Phillippe. I'm still waiting for him to text, but it's coming. I, I just know, I know he's gonna text me. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Sleeping Dogs now on digital that SleepingDogsMovie dot slash Wondery. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. So it's really so it's much. an honor to to chat with you today. Thank yeah.
1: you so much. I appreciate that.
0: I've been around a long time. so <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you've been around a long time, that means I've been around a long time. So we're in the same boat. Right. Yeah. Um, but what? So the first thing, American Murderer, what like first off, you play a cop so well. Like, you, you've, you've kind of, you've done this a lot. You've, you've played a lot of law enforcement characters. And I kind of, like, I never thought, I never, when I was a kid, at least a teenager, and first saw you, like, when you were starting, I never thought you'd be, like, a law enforcement type. Yeah. You really yeah. do it really well. What, like, what made you do American Murderer?
1: Well, okay. The first uh, part answer to this is that I do come from a, a relatively military family. OK. And I've done a lot of military projects where I've had a ton of training with with, you know, whether it's Marines or Navy SEALs or uh, law enforcement, you know, and I put a lot of effort into when you play those roles. I think you owe a certain uh, there's a certain responsibility there to do your 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 work diligently in terms of preparation. So you look legitimate because these people put their lives on the line in certain various capacities. And you want to, you want to honor that. Mm -hmm. Um, American murderer. I love true stories. Okay. So this man that the movie is about Jason Derek Brown is still at large. He was at one point on the FBI's uh, 10 most wanted list. Um, He shot and killed an armored car driver outside of a movie theater. And uh, there are, those that think that if this movie is seen and talked about, it may help bring this person to justice because he's still out there. Jason and Derek Brown in the movie is played by Tom Pelfrey from Ozark and all the, He does yeah. a really great job. He's a really, really fantastic actor. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I love true stories. I love true crime. You know, I yeah. think also selfishly as an actor, it's somewhat, it makes preparation somewhat easier because you're, your character is based on a person who did exist, does exist. Um, so, you know, and then particularly with this guy, with Lysing, I always kind of saw him as a shark, as, as a, a very focused undeterred, uh, machine in some regards. And that's kind of how I wanted to play him. Um, but I think, again, it's so interesting to me that, you know, this guy's still out there and maybe, uh, maybe this movie will get him caught.
0: Well, that's what's something that, I mean, I'm a fan of true crime. I'm assuming you're a fan of true crime. Like there is in watching the film, there was an element of like almost kind of like you're listening to a true crime podcast because your character kind of narrates the film. doesn't really narrate the film, but it's, it's the story is told through your investigation of this man. And it's kind of, Almost like a podcast like you're watching a podcast on the discovery and the story of this man.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree and in fact, in my first conversations with Matthew Gentile, who who wrote and directed the movie, really great young director who I think has got a bright future I that's one of the things that I said to him or remarked to him about the script. I'm like, man, there's no fat here. nothing feels fake it all it feels almost like you know a a, 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 a sort of authentically told, version of these real events like it just yeah. there was no um over dramatic elements you know at least from my end the interviews that I have like with Adina Menzel's character and I almost did the John Travolta yeah, thing. I was just gonna say um, <laughs> I almost did John Travolta but, um, <laughs> Adele Dazeem or whatever yeah, yeah. um but it, I, that was what I loved about it is it just it was very straightforward um and, and I responded to the raw nature of that, I
0: think. Yeah. Do you, Are you, I mean, in general, are you a fan of true crime? Like, what is it about true crime to you that, like, and, and with this story that really sort of piques your interest?
1: Well, you know, first of all, I think as a kid, I was always fascinated with the notion of the FBI's most wanted list and, you know, whether or not those on the list were brought to justice and how varying that list has been for 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 a myriad of reasons whether it's terrorism serial killings this and that yeah. you know i just think that's interesting um in and of itself um and you know like i loved um god i couldn't believe that adnan saeed got yeah you know, all charges dropped as of today you yeah. know i was very into serial um and you know I even watched the, the, the Dahmer series. I know it's really controversial uh, it's in some ways, but Evan Peters did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, it's very dark, but it's very compelling. And, and again, that feels very authentic to me in some ways. And the notion of, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And, and, and that, you know, there are some times where a story is is draws you in just by nature of it, of, of the fact that it actually happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. And there is something too, like an American murder where you, you kind of have to like, I mean, for me as a fan of true crime, it's not so much the crime that I'm obsessed with. It's the motivation behind what, what brings someone to do something like, this. why do they, what in their past got them to this point? And I think this film does it really well. Dahmer does it really well, where you really sort of get a sense of where this person came from and how they did what they did in a way, don't you think?
1: right and 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 that duality of man aspect and 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 what are any of us capable if given the wrong circumstances or the wrong upbringing or you know something being off uh yeah. within within us um uh I think that's compelling is that you know we're all capable of great good and to some degree capable of great you know terror or 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 evil in some regards um And so I think that there's that aspect that psychologically is interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's also, I mean, going back to the law enforcement thing and and the characters you've played just in general over your career, but especially in the past like 10 years, where you've, you've, what I've been so impressed by is you've done both dramas like this film, which is, you know, you're very much a serious sort of cop FBI person, but you've also done cop comedy, yeah <laughs> i mean you've you've really sort of excelled in all of the areas of <laughs> law enforcement, both high and low funny and <laughs> yeah. not it's 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 kind of impressive. it's
1: so odd, man, because early in my career, um, doing Cruel Intentions and, you know, Gosford Park, people thought that I was like a rich kid, erudite, like, (laughs) you know, well bred, you know, the reality is I'm a lower middle class kid from outside of Philly, born in Delaware, you know, family that struggled, uh, very blue collar relatives, you know, all of that and and so maybe, and as I said, my, my dad was in the military. My grandfathers both served during World War II and were highly decorated. My uncles were in Vietnam. Um, so a, a lot of that stuff was a lot more close to who I am than maybe the cruel intentions type of guy, where that was fun for me because I'm getting to lampoon or parody uh, some of the people that maybe I was jealous of in my youth, you know, the kids that would pull up at school at a BMW when I had a, a used uh, Hyundai Excel, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just interesting how people will think of you in a certain regard. Uh, people used to think I was British, you know? <laughs> really? Yeah. A lot of, it's, it's just odd how, you know, you go through these, you, you deal often for better or worse with people's perceptions of yourself in this business. And when you choose a public life, you know, and you just kind of have to let that, let those chips fall where they may in some regards.
0: Definitely. Well, you have two films coming out this month, which is, I mean, I I already get stressed, like, just going to the grocery store. I can't imagine promoting two different movies at the same time. Two very different movies, too. I mean, Yeah,
1: well, luckily, they're being released by the same production entity, so they're not necessarily a conflict. We're in such a strange time with media today and the way things are released or, you know, more to the point, the way they aren't released uh, these days. Um, I remember back in the day, just, you know, The promotion, the lead up, there's no such thing as long lead press anymore.
0: No, no. You know, it's
1: all immediate. You know, even when something new is coming out on Netflix, you hear about it maybe a week before. Yeah. Because people's attention spans have gotten so short, so (laughs) small, that they're afraid of being forgotten. And the media landscape and the way that things were put out was not like that when I was coming up
0: you know but, but the benefit is a film like even american murder or like summit fever any of them that even if the immediate release isn't necessarily huge there's a longevity with streaming there's a longevity with sort of people discovering this with you saw that with incanto last year that it didn't do crazy yeah. well in theaters but it did great on streaming and it's
1: yeah
0: it's there's the there's sort of there's an option there for it to grow farther
1: Yeah, and I very much had that experience that you're specifically referring to with Shooter. You know, Shooter, um, you know, did it for three seasons on USA, Um, haven't done it now for four or five years. And I get people all the time saying to me, I just finished watching that series. I loved it, you know, so there are benefits um, and and the onus isn't put on the day and date of release the same way it used to be. You don't feel that same pressure um, that used to be there, you know, I think. And if if there's anything good that's come out of this massive sea change in the industry, it might be that that things are still given an opportunity to be discovered. And, you know, we'll, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. I will say in watching both of the films, I kind of had the impression that like in watch in watching American Murderer, you were able to like basically eat a donut and didn't have to worry about like doing a lot of physical stuff, whereas Summit Fever, you could not eat donuts. Like, no. There was, no, no. <laughs> there, was, there was nothing you could do in that one. What was that like, sort of the the physicality of doing... Because I don't want to climb a mountain ever, to be honest with you. I, I,
1: I, I did. And that's really <laughs> part of the reason I took the movie. Really? And yes, did the thought of it scare me to some degree? Certainly. But I knew I would. I, it was an opportunity to be trained by and work with some of the best in their field. Um, I... Uh, and, and when you do an independent film about mountain climbing, there's no green screen. There's yeah. no special effects. It's all got to be practical, right? So we had about two weeks of training um, to get up to speed and make it look like we knew what we were doing. And some of that training, man, was absolutely terrifying. Some That's of the Uh, Yeah, I mean, and they start you out on an easy climb. But in the world of mountain climbing, there's not really such thing as an easy. I mean, there's certainly higher degrees of difficulty than what I started on. But I remember specifically on this first day of training, I had a really good rapport with my guy, John McCune, great dude. We're going up the wall. We're a few hundred feet up. He gets to a place ahead of me because he's clipping in and then I'm going to go. That's how you teach, whatever. He gets to a place on the wall where there's a bit of of an overhang from my perspective. And I can no longer make eye contact with John and he can't see me on the wall. And I got to a point where I didn't know where to go next. I couldn't find the crevice for my hand or my foot. And I felt like. I was so close my legs started trembling i got full body tremors (laughs) and i started to not hyperventilate but but really kind of come a bit undone to the point where i was so close to calling out to him john i'm stuck i can't do this and instead what i did was i went inward i started a deep breathing process and i said he just went before me this is possible Mm
0: -hmm. i just
1: have to calm my brain down and figure out what that next move is and that's what I did to get out of that situation. And then from there, I was ready to to take on which whatever climb that he was wow. willing to. You know, the scariest one, though, I have to say, was the ice climbing training, because with ice climbing, you're not clipped into the wall. You're using other pieces of rock, and you're wrapping your rope around to keep you oh. on. You've got the crampons on your feet and a pickaxe, ice pick. And there were points when we were doing the ice climbing where I'm looking down at a 10 to 15,000 sheer drop on either side of me. Yeah. Have, we're on a very narrow piece of rock. And I mean, it's exhilarating, but it's not for the faint of heart.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I was watching it and I remember my boyfriend commented that because when you were climbing up everything, we accidentally got into like a stairwell in London once where it was. <laughs> It was like 270 steps. And it was like, that was our summit fever <laughs> was those 270 steps. Cause hey, I, kept, you know. I kept looking at dudes walking up and we had suitcases with us too. I kept looking up dudes walking up and I was like, well, if they're doing it, we can do it. It was, some, it was a similar kind right. I guess. Yeah, it, it, it is. And I think
1: that that has served me at other um, intense points in my life. You know, the right. idea what, that if, if, if a human is capable of something, obviously there are things that people are, more built for, more experienced at, but sometimes that is a way to sort of crystallize or to work your your, your way through a difficult moment by saying, this can be done. This has been done before and I'm going to figure out how to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you brought up Cruel Intentions before. I... Would I would be probably roasted on Twitter if I didn't ask you this particular question there, just as just a gay person, I have to ask you this question. So there is a scene that comes up every single year, at least once. And it came up today, actually randomly. A friend of mine posted it and, you know, the scene it's the yeah Yeah. is it was a cultural shift in the late 90s that not only changed the landscape for a lot of women, I bet, but also for a lot of gay dudes. And it has it has stayed the test of time. Yeah, everyone talks about that scene to this day. Yeah. Like, do yeah. you do you see that online? Do you see people talking about that of scene? Of course do I do.
1: Of course I do. I get a lot of you know the moment when I knew I was gay, and then a photo, a <laughs> screen grab of that, yeah. or or some people say you know this 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 made me gay, and my thing is no, you already were.
0: Yeah, it yeah. kind
1: of it just lit a fire. Maybe I did it, it I used I did to it. have a really nice ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it was. It really was, a, I remember watching it in theaters and being like, "I can't wait till this gets out on VHS. And it was, you know, there's like, there's a moment in, in the film and it really was a cultural shift.
1: So last year, there was an art exhibition in LA here that were, um you know, beautifully painted portraits taken from moments in, uh, in the movie, Cruel Intentions. And Roger Cumble, the director, and Selma and, and Sarah Michelle and I all met up to go to, to a viewing of these paintings. And mm. one of the paintings is, of course, <laughs> my ass by the swimming pool. And we all had a big laugh, big laugh about that. You know, the the paintings, paintings are quite well done, too. You should look them up. I will. The kiss between Sarah and, and Selma. the the painter i I, i'm i'm i feel bad not recalling the artist's name but it's really good work actually
0: wow i'll check it out i'll check it out well i have to also ask you so like on that same line you had from really for the most of your career a a very strong and we're friends now so i can feel like i can tell you
1: yeah yeah i am so easy to talk to good Good.
0: yeah well this is a setup for the fact that your influence on queer people specifically with films like 54, Cruel Intentions, of course. Gosford Park, I think, would be in that. I know what you did. I mean, There's so many films Yeah, You had such an impact, but particularly with 54, how like it, I don't know, it kind of defined the millennial queer generation in a lot of ways, myself included. Watching you, I was like, that's the poster boy. Like, that is the one, right. that's, that's right. the dude, that's the guy. Right. And like, how how aware were you back then of your sort of like gay fan base. and what what did you think of it? And then, as your career's gone on, has, I mean, we've obviously stayed with you. So, like, yeah, like, how has that transpired for you?
1: I mean, it's something I've always been grateful for and and aware of to some extent. You know, the first real job that I had in this industry was playing the first gay teenager in television history on one life to live so and that that was a much more awkward stage for me because i was 17 years old myself i had been going to a, a religious high school and they were kind of anti the fact that i chose to take on that role um that was a big transitional slash learning process for me because very soon into that portrayal my mother and I would get fan mail that was really emotionally touching mm. from from kids who said they'd never seen a representation of themselves, from parents who said, I I, I found this show to be a point of connection with my gay teenager. Um, so from that point on, I had an, a respect for um, the possibilities of, of what entertainment can be as a bridge or as a, a a tool to educate or enlighten. Um, and then, you know, men being attracted to me has never been a bad thing. It's not, you know, (laughs) anybody being attracted to you, you're going to be, you're going to be appreciative of, you know? Um, and, uh, I've always been a very much a, a supporter of LGBTQ rights and, and, um, I've got so many friends in my life that, 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 that fall under that umbrella. And, um, you know, I just uh, I think it is a part of my my experience and my fan base that I have a lot of love for.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, my last question for you is: I have heard your name pronounced a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Like people do not like. What sort of weird pronunciations have you received in your life, and how do you officially say it?
1: I mean, I, you always get like Felipe or Philippe, which is probably the origin it, it is a French last name it was Philippe Philippe and then it was Americanized when those French ancestors moved to Mountain City Tennessee which is where my dad's side of the family is from but it's very easy Philip E Philippi so I always just tell people it's like the name Philip, and then you just say E at the end, it's Philippy, you know, but, you know, in school, I've heard every version of it, especially in high school when they call you up for different things or, you know, whatever participations that you had in that realm and yeah. it never bothered me, you know, it's like i never really cared i guess at one point there was early in my career someone who suggested maybe that i change it to something more, you know ryan stone or something or like something <laughs> but but I, I you know i'm a big believer in uh in family and and uh i you know i just i don't think that that's a hurdle a major hurdle to get over and yeah you know, well. uh,
0: I feel so like I'm, you'd have a, a different kind of gay fan base if you changed your name to Ryan Stone. So like,
1: <laughs> I mean, oh, it
0: sounds like a horror. <laughs> yes, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't do that. Well, maybe I'm not. Who knows? You know, you could have had a different career. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really are so welcome. It. Yeah. Pleasure to meet you. So the text from Ryan still hasn't come through. So somebody could DM him or something. Anyway, let me know what you thought of today's episode. You can find me at H.L. and Scott on everything. Thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, please leave a little rating and review, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, share it on social media. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at newsweek.com, be sure to subscribe to Newsweek's For the Culture newsletter. You get it from me two times a week. It's so much fun. So, until then... Watch something fun and have a great day.